Hey everybody, this is Mark Richards, the owner of Wasatch Recovery and a proud sponsor of Todd Sylvester's BeliefCast. We are excited to have you join us as we discuss Wasatch Recovery's unique treatment programs for overcoming addictions and techniques for developing a healthier lifestyle. We call this the Wasatch Way. Wasatch Recovery's goal is to instill hope, teach resilience, and help you achieve recovery. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. And this is another edition of the Wasatch Way. And as always, I'm joined with Mark Richards, the owner of Wasatch Recovery. And we also have Christian Smith, who's a part of our marketing team. Uh, two fantastic individuals, two guys I admire and love. And we're going to talk about another amazing topic that I think is very important for people to hear this, especially those in recovery. But I, I want to thank everyone tuning in. Uh, Wasatch Way is really got a good uh, imprint on people out there, and a lot of people are responding to it. So thank you for sharing and also for supporting us in this. Thanks to all our sponsors, and again, all of you for just believing in me. It means a lot to me, so I hope you guys know that. I love you guys. So Mark Richards, um, like I said, was the owner and then Christian part of the marketing team, but we're going to start with you. Let's talk about culture and why is that so important, especially in recovery where people may go and you know, how that affects maybe their success or, or lack of. Okay. Can I back up a little bit? Please. So uh, some of you know me, uh, know I've worked in the industry for a little bit, and I've got the reputation of, I've worked for a few treatment centers, and I've owned one. Um, <laughs> and that was kind of sarcastically like, dude, you've worked for a lot of treatment centers. But early on, started out at a treatment center down south, and then had the opportunity to probably work for five treatment centers. And and quickly into the second or the third, I realized that the modalities everybody uses in this industry are mandated by state statute and federal guidelines. They are right. evidence-based best practices. So clinically, nobody has any proprietary stuff they can, they can throw out there. But what I observed is every program that I've worked with and been affiliated with has a different culture. And... Mm. There's a lot of research on this. You don't have to be a genius to go Google. You got to go to the Google, and uh, <laughs> and, and just Google buy-in. Um, that's the those are the two keywords: okay. buy client buy-in, and the importance of that. The one one study I read talked about doesn't matter what you present the client. That it does, but it's second to the client's buy-in. Doesn't matter where you present it. What you present, the most right. important predictor of positive outcomes is going to be the client's buy-in. And to me, that speaks specifically to culture. Right. Um, you, you've got culture in the old days when I first started. The, the culture was kind of hard. Like, Christian, you're an idiot. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of like clinically of, of tearing down or of peeling the onion all the way back till it's to its core, yeah. to its center. And to do that was kind of hard. That was harsh. It, it's changed over the years. It's we don't we don't break somebody down. We don't we don't assume they're coming into us busted, um, right. and and if they're not, we're going to make sure they know they're busted. We start at a different place overall in the industry than we did 15 years ago, but the culture speaks to in my mind how the clinical team presents themselves to the client. Yeah, um, are they clear of shame based? modalities or treatments yeah. um, uh, are they client friendly 
Um, mm-hmm. for, for example, one of the things I love about Wasatch, the client friendliness, is we take clients to the store and to the smoke shop once a week. Is that right? Once a week. It's true. Yeah. And uh, that's client friendly. That that is client friendly. Friendly. There are other programs that you you know. There's tobacco free uh, or, or even sugar free. Sugar free. Right. They go really <laughs> extreme. We know of yeah. of couple that are sugar free, <laughs> yeah. Brian Eden, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're hearing this, Brian. I love you, but it works. That, that speaks to a yeah. different culture. Yeah. Every treatment center has a different culture, and I have decided over the years that the duty and responsibility of someone seeking treatment. And their support system is to go and and maybe test it out a little bit by taking a tour, the, going on the campus, taking a tour. You'll get a feel of what the culture is. Again, mm-hmm. because modalities are not going to vary. Everybody's using the the evidence based stuff, but the culture in every treatment center is different. And if you look at the research, that is so important. That is the number one predictor of a positive outcome. That tells me how important it is to go find the right culture. We might, Wasatch might not be the perfect place for every human being, but the culture here is very client friendly. Um, Clinically, uh, we are not going to shame. Uh, We're going to point out what we, what the clinicians think is, are some weaknesses. Mm -hmm. We're not going to sugarcoat it, but we're not going to demean and degrade uh, and there are other programs that feel that's the way that they need to do it, is to point out this, what are you, an idiot sort of thing, and uh, all well, speaking to the culture. Yeah, we'll say it differently. We won't call them an idiot. We'll say quit playing small. Like, really, this is what they're doing, ultimately. Yeah. Or, in other words, they are playing the victim on a lot of levels. Right. It's like, stop playing small. Like, you know, we see this all the time. It's like, you're so much bigger and better than that. But we'll hit them hard in that area so they can at least see it. But you're right. We don't shame people. Mark, how did you come to – the culture starts, in my experience, it starts from the very top. Yep. It, it really does. You, I suspect that you had to have had an idea of what your vision was culturally. Clinically, it, that was all set for you. The state and the feds did that for you. How did you come to this place of creating the culture that we have? Well, I think I've talked about this before in the past. In the very beginning, I really didn't know. I didn't know the what type of culture I wanted to create. I actually, when we formed this, Jeff and I, um, we didn't go look at other cultures. We didn't go look at other facilities. We just said, in our opinion, what does somebody in this situation need? What does somebody in their active addiction need? Yeah. And the biggest thing that we came up with is, number one, they, they're they don't feel loved. They're, they're shaming themselves so hard that they don't feel loved anymore. And so Jeff and I said, you know what? We're, we're lovers. We can, we can love people. Right. And that was very important. And the second thing was, is people who are at this point in their life have lost all hope. They really don't believe they can get to a better place when they walk in the door. And so we wanted to create a place that was hopeful and love. And so we figured with hope and love, you can create a culture at any level, not only with the residents, but just like you talked about with the buy-in with your employees. If you love your employees and you love your people you work with, that is going to translate into how they do their things with the resident also. We teach the same thing to the residents. If you want to be 
give it away. Yeah. Right, yep. Todd? Yep. That came right from Todd. Absolutely. If you want to be, give it away. And so we've always been that. Since day one, we've always said, we're going to continue to give away. We're going to continue to reinvest in our employees, in our facility, and in our residents, number one. And that's, I think, where the culture... Yeah, and I'll agree. I'll add to that. So, you know, Mark being an owner, you typically don't see an owner at the facility. That's pretty rare. And if they, you know, and if they are there, they're there to get some numbers about where they're at and this and that, and they bounce. Mark is here every day. And from the moment, you're the one doing the tours too. So when they come in, their first experience is like, you know, and Mark's a hugger and he, he really will tell you, I love you. And he says it all the time. So these people walk out here going, who the heck is that dude, right? <laughs> but yet made me feel, it's the first time I felt something good. Because you're right, they're shaming themselves already. They're beating themselves up to, to a point where they don't want to live anymore. But yet they come here and they're embraced by this big bear hug from Mark. But yet it's genuine. And I watch you with every client, just how you interact with them. And Christian, you can you know say what your thoughts are on that. But seeing that starts from the top, like you said, Christian, and that trickles down because you wouldn't put up with it if we were different than that, right? Well, and we've talked about this also on the Wasatch Way in the past. When I hire people, when I bring people on as partners is what I call it, um, I don't look at my people as employees, first of all. I look at all of us as a partnership. Mm -hmm. We all have our role in helping people, and that's vital. And one of the first questions I ask people is, how passionate are you? about people and do you love people? And if they can't answer that confidently, I don't want them. And that's plain and simple. I don't care what your credentials are at that point. I wanna know that you love people and that you're doing this for a reason. Then we'll look at your credentials and we'll go from there. And I think that's where people grab our buy-in, you know, up here at Wasatch. Yeah, I love that because they see our buy-in to this place and that spills over, right? Yeah. You, you, that and, makes culture. And you can't teach that. that, right. that, can't, that that's one of the beautiful things as you were talking, I'm thinking you interview people and, and you hire people as you see fit. And you do a good vetting process because once they're hired, you empower them to take their personality and their skill set and not micromanage them. And they go and they do their thing. And if you didn't vet them right, it would bleed out from the culture that you're trying, that you've created. And, and be a negative factor in, in the outcomes. The buy-in is such a big deal on not only employees, but mm-hmm. again, going back to the research, the buy-in is the number one predictor. It's not what they're being shared or, or presented or where it is. Uh, it's that the client actually believes that what is being presented to them will help them. Yeah, and, and I can't speak enough about the importance of buy-in. Well, and also that means they respect the person who's giving them this information, right? You know, I'm fortunate enough to have gone through addiction myself, which gives me a little credibility with someone who sits there for the first time and I have them read that out loud that there's nothing wrong with them. But to, when they know my background, it's almost like, okay, this guy knows what it feels like to be hopeless and strung out and broke and losing everything kind of thing. So that, that's that, that street also cred. plays in it. Yeah, yeah street we, cred. We, we have street cred, 
And once we get that street cred to the new client, they can lower their defense walls. Of because when they walk in here, they go, "You don't know what it's like. You have no idea. Yeah. You've never been." We to hear jail. that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I spent a year and a half in jail. I'm very familiar with jail. <laughs> yeah. No, you haven't. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought it was prison. It wasn't prison. Let's okay. get that clear. It was I'm jail. I'm always confused. Major Sorry. difference. It was jail. Well, I heard jail's worse here in Utah actually than prison. So <laughs> I, yeah. I've heard the same thing. <laughs> But that that street cred allows us, and yeah. not everybody here at, at Wasatch has has been down that road. Well, but most of us have. Yeah, and well, Mark hasn't been an addict, but he's had a near death experience where a lot of these guys come from, and and that's ultimately why you brought this place. You yeah. know, it happened I mean, right in the very beginning. Yeah, I mean, before I even started, because I was oblivious. Yeah, I really didn't know how I was going to do this, not mm-hmm. being an addict, and that for a while was kind of a crutch for me as I was yeah. like, man, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I have the tolerance. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't understand it whatsoever. Yeah. And I think going through that experience of having an aneurysm, for those who don't know, yeah. and an aneurysm, and uh, you know, to have that experience, to be in a hospital, to almost die, to literally be filled with fentanyl and Dilaudid and these drugs that people die from every day and then have to detox out of it. it right. Frankly, it's the biggest blessing that ever happened to me because yeah. I could relate immediately. Yeah. But it's taken me 11 years too now, you know, to really understand it. Yeah. And I, it, maybe it hasn't taken the entire time, but yeah. it took me years to really go, okay, mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. I've seen enough people. I see how it happens. I see that it's not a respecter of persons for crying out loud. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. You know, it, no, it doesn't like you. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So, and it can catch anybody for sure. But going back, I wanted to, you know, just talk about Christian for a second since he's sitting here. Christian's been in this industry probably longer than I have. I mean, I don't know if you've been in it longer than 11 years, but you've been in it for 13, right? Is it 13 13. roughly? Yeah. You've been in it for a long time. So from the day I started to see how Christian interacted with people in the market, if we want to call that, to see how he handles people, to see how he opened his own rehab and ran it. And I remember going out to the open house and seeing how people respected you. I didn't even have to vet you. You're the one client or the one employee or partner that I just talked about that I really didn't have to vet because I got to vet you for years while you were at other facilities. And that's what was so great for me is when the opportunity presented itself, I wasn't going to hesitate because you're fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I, I I couldn't have landed at a better place for my, for my personality, which lends itself to the culture. If if I didn't buy in myself to the culture, I wouldn't be here. Right. I I would I'm 62. Right. I got other options. I love the culture here. Years ago, you you might have been there. Fall conference golf tournaments, traditional thing we've had for I years think up I until won COVID. It. You probably did. <laughs> you probably did win it. Yeah, rub it in. Um, uh, when we owned Inspire, I was given the opportunity to give a kind of a keynote deal at the luncheon, and I remember while you're talking, it reminded me of this. I remember standing up then. This has been eight years ago or so. And talking about we're not competitors in this industry. Although at the time, there was a lot of mm-hmm. feeling of oh, we can't really be buddies with this treatment center because we're competing with them. And we can't be buddies with this one because we're competing with them and them with us. I remember giving a little spiel and I was emotional because I believed it then and I believe it now. While we are in the same industry and to a little extent, we are competing for clients. But 
I believe with all my heart that the job of the prospective client and their support people, which could be friends or family, is to find the right culture. Find your culture. We have our culture here at Wasit. It is our culture and it is unique. It is not perfect. It is just unique. Mm -hmm. It will be perfect for some and not work for others. Uh, but I believe with all my heart then, and I still do now, that culture is that important mm -hmm. in the buy-in process to have a positive outcome of free from mood and mind-altering substances. Well, I love that. Um, I wanted to share something with the listeners and with you guys, like how powerful culture can be with a story, if that's okay. And it's it's not really related to recovery, but it's but it does prove the point of how powerful culture is. And so there's a guy named Roger Bannister. And Roger Bannister was the first human being to run a mile under four minutes. And it was back in, I think, April of 1954. And before he did that, the world, the culture of the whole world believed a human being couldn't run that fast. And if they tried, you, they would say your heart would explode because it would be too strenuous. You just couldn't go that hard. And anyway, long story short, he's like, no, I'm going to be the first one to do this. He ends up doing it. And then rapid fire all over the world, people started running a mile under four minutes. And people will say the most incredible thing about that was that he did it under four minutes. No, the most incredible thing to me is he changed the culture of the world the, or the belief system, the buy-in. Oh, we can run a mile under four minutes? I'm going to go do that. And since then, I think it's now been 20,000 people, including high school kids, are now doing it. And... What's funny, too, is his, his record lasted for 46 days. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Can you imagine? You, you're, you finally do it. 46 days later, some other guy does it. And so, but that's how powerful culture, we buy into sometimes something that isn't true, right? Yeah. And then, and, then, and then that's what I love about this place is I think these clients come in and they hear things like, where has this been? So it's almost like we're changing the culture, maybe one client at a time, of the recovery culture. Because I'm going to be really bold here. I think the recovery world on many levels has it wrong. I really do. And so, it's again, it's that sharing this with these clients where they literally go, I've heard it a thousand times on that couch when they go, where has this information been? Where has, I've been to, all, I've been to here, 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 and here. I haven't heard this ever. And that's what I love about this place. And Mark, that's you letting me be me. So I just, I mean, I always tell you this. I'm so grateful that you allow me to have this job and let me be me. But we're on the, since we're on the Wasatch Way, uh, I'm going to tout you a little bit, Todd. Having worked for multiple good treatment centers in, the, in this community, I mean, really reputable treatment centers. The closest thing I've seen in 13 years to proprietary stuff, if you will, on a clinical, some mm -hmm. quasi-clinical level, is your role here, Todd. That, that clients aren't required to see you. It's by elective sign-up. But the role that you play, is, I've never seen it in the 13 years I've mm. been here. It is, and it leads, lends right at into the culture that we have here. And the role that I see you have is the gift of pointing out, observing and pointing out thinking errors and false yeah. belief systems yeah. that in essence are at the core of many reasons why our clients self-medicate with mood and mind-altering substances and other destructive yeah. behaviors right. are faulty belief systems and thinking errors. That's as close to a proprietary thing as I've ever seen. And I never see anybody else have it. They don't, mm. nobody's well, used it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you do a dang good job at it. <clears throat> I mean, again, 
being here with you and to see what you do and your belief systems. Mm -hmm. And that's where it translates. Again, that culture. When yeah. you sit down with a client and tell them they're okay, yeah, they believe it yeah. in an instant. Yeah, It takes them a while to continue to believe that. Right. But for a moment in yeah. time, you see it in their emotions. Yeah. They go, holy smokes. Yeah. But that comes with who you are, how yeah. you do it, what you believe, your belief systems. And it translates into your clients so quickly and so well. But again, if you weren't a trusting person, if right. you weren't that guy that showed emotion, if you weren't the guy that loved these people, they would never get it because those become just words. Yeah. And that's where I think culture is so important yeah. is well, yeah. we have to believe it. Yeah. We have to believe in what we're doing. Yeah. And if we don't, then the culture goes away. Yeah. And again, and, and I see that in you too. I see it in our therapists. We have some of the best therapists on the planet. And I'm not just saying that because they work here. But they have a different way of doing things as well, and they're great at it. We have a great experiential, uh, you know, Tina and Tessa, freaking amazing. Right. The way they do things. And so, man, we have a, such a great team that have all bought into doing this a little different than most. Not saying we're perfect, like you said, Chris, we're not perfect. And this may not be for everybody, but I think it is for most. <laughs> I really do. I do too, Todd. You know what I mean? I do. Um, I do have one more story, but again, I, I don't want to cut you off no, if you had on. something. Um, talking about the power of just someone buying into what you're saying. So this was probably, I think it's going on five years ago. I was doing a group up, up, up in the group room, and there was a guy that had been detoxing in his room for a few days, so we hadn't seen him. I think his name was Jordan. And he comes into, his first experience was my group. So he comes in, and, I, and I've got everyone in there, and I don't even know him. I'm like, who are you? He goes, oh, my name is Jordan. I said, why are you here? And he goes, I can't stop doing drugs. I said, oh, really? I go, did you do did, did you do drugs today? He goes, no. Did you do them yesterday? No. Did you do them the day before? No. Did you do them the day before? No. Sounds like you already stopped. And I just paused. And it took a minute. It was almost like, you know, you could see the cogs turning. <laughs> <laughs> right. And all of a sudden, Let me think about it that. was like this light bulb. And he went, holy hell. And I go, See, that's your problem. You say you can't stop, even when you've stopped. I go, that's why you keep relapsing. That's why you keep blowing up your life. And I kid you not, this guy to this day will tell you, I could have left treatment right there. He goes, that's when it clicked, like you said. Because yeah. he believed it from me. Because I, I hit him with all the energy and love and you know spirit, whatever you want to call it, that I could give that guy in that moment. And he says, I could have left right there. I could have packed my bags and left and I would have been fine. Obviously I had other stuff to work on and that's why he was there, but it was such a cool thing to watch that. You, you remember that quote you shared with us some time ago? I think it, it was titled, Are You Kidding Me? Uh-huh. Um, and in that, in that document, you talked about the greatest, you, you're with me here, the, the greatest fear or whatever is not that someone can't do something. The greatest fear is that you are you are clearly able to do it and then some. Something, the gist of that. You Something, that, yeah. Well, it's, you know, the greatest fear is not that we're inadequate. The greatest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's part of the culture yep. that, 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 yeah. we, that we preach here. We don't say don't it one place, more time. Uh, it's not that we're inadequate that uh, scares us the most. It's that we're powerful beyond measure. Yeah. Like, I can I can actually be great. And, and Mark, you're really good at this with the clients where you're like, 
<laughs> I mean, you see the good in everyone, like you know, and you got the cl- you know the cl- clinical team and myself going, Mark, you got to you know, and you're like, no, no, I see greatness, and I see this. <laughs> you're so good at that, and so are you, Christian. But I think again, it, it plays on. We don't want people to play small, right? Right, and, and that's part of the culture. No, you, we expect you to actually play big. Yeah, and we want, we expect it. I don't care that you were just in the gutter a week ago with a needle in your arm. Yep. We expect you to play big, and we see that in you, right? Absolutely. I see it in everybody. Um, yeah, you're good at that. You know, I, <laughs> I do, and they've just lost that. And that's mm-hmm. going back to where we were. They've lost that hope in themselves or that confidence, if you want to call it that. Yeah. And oftentimes I'll say, hey, fake it. Fake it till you make it, right? Yeah, right. That's just a good philosophy for the world. If you're insecure, try it, right? Try Pull to your shoulders secure. back. Yeah. You know, stand tall, look at somebody in the face. It's going to scare the heck out of you to be assertive and say something with authority, but try it. And you're, you're faking confidence in that moment yeah. if you're not really confident. Right. But then you see the reaction from the person standing across from you, and all of a sudden you go, wow, I felt kind of good. Yeah. And then you do it again. And before you know it, three or four times, all of a sudden you are confident. Yeah. Now you become confident. Yeah. But that scared... Uh, that's that feeling of fear of the reaction or that I can't do this is such a huge driver. I, I always hear you saying, stand tall, put your shoulders back. Yep. I mean, because that's Especially with the girls, right? Yeah. Cause they'll they literally crouch down. We've seen this, yep. right? Christian, where they just like, they hunch over yeah. almost hiding. It's like almost in a yeah, like, position. Don't look, of, at, don't look at me. Yeah. Yeah. And Mark, I always hear him say, Hey, throw those shoulders back, man. You know, <laughs> and they're like, okay. Yeah. You know, stand tall, yeah. stand tall. It's good for you. You know, pull those shoulders back. As you're sharing that, I'm also thinking about as a one of the cultural, uh, what of what I'm looking personality traits that we have Mm -hmm. as a as a staff. We're optimistic, to almost to a person. We are optimistic. We have clients coming in that are very pessimistic, and life has done that to our clients. Right, their behaviors combined with the world that we live in, uh, loneliness, right, um, mental health stuff, entitlement stuff. We to a T come in. We are optimistic. Yes, you can do this. Yes, you will. Pull your shoulders back. Look up high. Don't look at your feet anymore. Don't look at my feet. Look me in the eyes. We are one of the cultural things, traits we have. We are we are an optimistic group. Absolutely. Loneliness. That's a big one. Huge. Right. We see that constantly. I think that with that culture becomes the belief, just like you're talking about. So if we can instill a culture of belief. So many addicts hate to be judged, correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But what's funny is they place that judgment on themselves <laughs> right. so often. Right. Yeah. And this is their belief system. Yeah. So I always say to them, don't put that scarlet letter on your back. And they'll say, well, other people judge me. I've got tattoos and I've got this and I've got that. No, they're not judging you. You're inviting them to judge you, not necessarily from your tattoos, from your actions. Yeah. You walk around with confidence with anything and don't put that scarlet letter on your back. You can be recovered. Yeah. You can honestly walk around and go, yeah, I'm recovered. Yeah. I recovered from alcohol and drugs and this is who I am. Made me great. Made me who I am. You know, and immediately they go, wow. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah. That's very well said. That, that, that concept of being recovered might be my favorite thing about Wasatch (laughs) in our culture. Uh, I came from the rooms of AA. That's a word that AA doesn't like. And if you use it in those rooms, your friends are going to go, dude, 
you're really dangerous to relapse. <laughs> and talk right about now. culture. AA culture has created that. It says in the big book, we are recovered. We're a group of 100 <laughs> men and women who suffer from a seemingly hopeless disease who have recovered. Yeah. And that's another, that's another part of our culture. We believe that we can become that, recovered. Um, and like it's game it's, over. It, it's over when we do that. I don't have to pick up anymore. I'm recovered. I haven't picked up for 13 plus years. If that isn't uh, recovered, I don't know what is. Yeah. And I, I remember our conversation oh. when we first talked about this. Wasn't that beautiful? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't like it. It was like oh, yeah. hurting bad. You in, can't in, say in that. And those who know Christian, he says it like it is. He ain't afraid he, you're full of you know what. <laughs> and he told me that a few times. But you, you let it marinate. You thought about it. You let it percolate. And it's like, man, yeah, why can't I go there? And and, and that I'm defending a little bit of, don't want to offend some of my AA yeah. friends. I don't say that thinking I can go out and drink and drug like a gentleman. For sure. Uh, that's ship sailed. That's that's yeah, not on their that's mind. Over. Yeah. But that scarlet letter you just spoke about that I had on my back for many, many years is no longer there. I'm mm. not a recovering alcoholic and drug addict. I'm recovered from drugs and alcohol. I don't wear that scarlet A anymore. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't define who I am today. Yeah, you're not broken, you're not damaged. Nope. You're, yeah. Yeah. Another unique characteristic that you've created here at Wasatch Recovery, speaking to the culture. Beautifully, beautifully said. I love this. Yeah, love talking fun. to you guys, always. Is there anything else before we maybe try to wrap some things up? Any other last comments, Mark? Yeah, actually. Um, I think the... The best part of my job is is I get to hear from my own residents how great our culture is. Mm-hmm. That there's is, the proof is instant credibility, yeah. right? That we're doing something right. Again, just like you said, we're never going to be perfect. We're always going to evolve mm-hmm. and try and become better. But I can tell you right now, I wouldn't hesitate to pull one resident out of group right now and say, "Come down here and tell me if we're different." Tell me if the culture is different. Tell me what you think of the culture. I often hear from the top down all the way to our line staff, your staff is different. You're different here. I don't know what it is. It's different. And some people might take that personal in a negative way. You're different. I take it as absolutely positive and never apologize for it. Right. Yeah. I had I had a lady confront me once at a behavioral <laughs> hospital and I went at it with her because <laughs> she wanted to tell me that I was tough and I was mean and I was this. And I said, oh, absolutely not. And yeah. I said, and I won't apologize for the way that we do things. But if I don't get to the root of the issue, what are we doing here? Right. And she sat back and thought, you know, maybe there's some validity to that. And yeah. I was pretty young in this business. But I'll tell you what, we yeah. know. Yeah. We know what it takes. Yeah. And uh, with that, we can build that culture around that. I mean, how many times have we heard here, I learned more in one hour up there in process or with an individual session than I did in the treatment center I was at for 90 days? Which is crazy. How many times we hear that, that, dude? I hate it and I love it. Like, yeah. (laughs) Well, they'll say, I learned so much in my last treatment center. Okay, tell us what you learned. I want to hear it because that would be great. Again, and a lot of times they draw a blank. And I get it, maybe they're on the hot seat, and I know they learn some things, and we're of not course. saying, but man, I'll tell you, that's what makes it different too. The culture is yep. like, right out of the gate, they're learning things like, like I say, I hear this all the time, where has this been? Yeah. Where has this information been? Yeah. Like, well, right I got here. a client, we got a client <laughs> right now in the facility who said to me after her assessment, 
She said, I just learned more in an hour assessment from my therapist than I did in 30 days at another treatment center. And I thought, huh? You're just giving her information. She said, no, for real. I just learned more in one hour about myself in your assessment than I did in 30 days at another treatment center. And I thought, what a, what a tragedy. Right. But I'm so grateful that we do it the way we do it. The, right. the tragedy may not be that the other center wasn't adequate. It was... The, the buy-in wasn't there. They didn't buy in. Based upon the culture, it didn't right. fit in. We, As you guys were talking, I'm thinking, we get a lot, of, on the marketing side, we get a lot of calls. Relapse happens in this business. It's a, It happens way too much. And we're working hard to, to correct that. But we get a lot of calls from alumni saying, can I come back? And we bring it, by and large, they come back. And so if there's, but there's somebody listening right now to this podcast, going, but they didn't bring me back. That's because clinically, even though we may not know it directly or consciously are doing it, after we've brought somebody back a time and time again, we're looking at our own ethics going, we might not yeah. be the right culture. Right. Not because we can't do it, but we're not doing you a favor. So for that client that might be hearing this, it goes, I'm still mad because they wouldn't bring me back. Yeah. It wasn't because we didn't love, yeah. because we love you that much that... Well, let's find another. Let's place find one that that's going to be work better yeah. for you. That your buy-in will be better. That your because it, the culture that they present is different than our culture. Does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And I've heard it numerous times with my alumni. You know, the best thing you did was put me in another facility for a month. I needed a little bit of, you know, uncomfortable yeah. situation to exactly. to continue to grow. Yep. And that's just us caring enough to say, hey, you're a little too comfortable that, yeah. here. Yep. You know, let's let's <laughs> right. put you somewhere else. Yeah. Let's get you uncomfortable again. Yeah. Uh, if you want that growth. Yep. And again, that's that there's very few facilities that are going to turn somebody away. Right. I'm just telling you, there are. We look at them as an individual and go, okay, is this person going What's, to benefit yeah. or are they not? And if they're not going to benefit, we're not afraid to say, hey, let's try something different. And love that to me shows how much we love people. Yeah. 100%. Love that. Well, guys, I I could talk with you guys all day. I love yeah. it. I love this place. I love everyone we work with. Um, we have the best jobs in the world. Right. Uh, we do have to deal with some really tough things as well. And I do want to say, in light of what's gone on this week, you know, people ending their lives, some some famous people as well. But if you are in crisis mode, uh, you can dial nine eight eight. That's the new suicide hotline number, and you can go to nine eight eight lifeline dot org. And that'll give you information as well. Um, Mark, as always, what's the best way if a, someone wants to get their loved one in here or if they want to get in here, how do they get a hold of you again? What's the best way? Well, for me personally, um, I get a lot of people who text from this Wasatch Way or mm -hmm. will throw me a personal phone call. My personal cell phone is 801-898-7778. And then obviously they can call the main line, which rings to our um, admissions team and our marketing team, and that's 801-901-0024. Great. So call Great. in anytime will help. Um, if you're appropriate for here or not, we're willing to help you find a good place. And again, I think that's that's what we need to do, and that's what we should be doing, especially this time of year around Christmas. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, at the time that we're Christian, taping this, it is a week before Christmas. And I think one of the next Wasatch Way we ought to talk about not just the stresses of, of Christmas and how stress affects self-medication. Um, there's, we got to talk about one day on fentanyl. 
it, it's a bad deal right now. Yeah, maybe that we'll div- do that. We'll, we'll make that our next topic. Yeah, uh, I think that'd be a good because mm-hmm. again, it's it's we hate to say this, but it's killing people it all over the place, and it's that that is the isn't it the number one cause of death between eighteen and forty men, men. between eighteen and forty number last year one number one cause, cause of death. Yeah. That tells you something that this is not good. It's going in the wrong direction, not the other way. So maybe us talking about it can maybe hopefully save someone's life. I think it will. I hope it does. That's why we're doing this Wasatch Way is I think we save lives. And and if that even means that they got here because they heard us and they come to our program, it saved their life ultimately because they'd be dead if they didn't. So anyway, I love you too. I hope you know that. You guys are amazing. I I look up to you. Um, I'm grateful for our team here. We got great clinicians and just great staff overall. And uh, I love doing this Wasatch Way. It's really cool. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Well, guys, there you go. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Um, share this with anyone you know that might be struggling. A lot of times, people struggle with how do I communicate with this person? I don't want to offend them if I'm send them a link to this episode, and it breaks the ice. And yeah. then you can follow up with, "Hey, what'd you think of that?" Hey, you know, the reason why I sent that to you is I think maybe you might need a little bit of help. Would you be willing to go take a tour and go see Mark and Christian? And and so I challenge you guys to do that. Thank you for your support. Share this. You know, it just means a lot because we want to get this to as many people as possible. And we have a film crew here today. Thanks to you guys for standing for a half hour and and (laughs) hurting your backs. But anyway, love you guys. Until next time and uh, stay strong, stay clean. And if you need help, reach out to us. Love you.